You are listening to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate researching superannuation engagement. Your Money Story is about celebrating your journey, including you in the money conversation, empowering you to take control of your finances, and equalizing your position wherever you are. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal, financial, objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness having regard to your objectives, needs and financial situation. This episode, we have Jean Sum, who discusses her experience as an Asian-Australian woman. Jean has an acute understanding of the money conflict that occurs within certain Asian communities. Is money the only marker of success, or is it possible to find a wealthy life by following your purpose and living your values each day? She discusses how the public response to Asian hate crimes, such as the Atlanta shooting in America that left six Asian women dead, communicates broadly how Asians are undervalued within their communities. Jean is the founder of Some of Jean, which is a life coaching business and is also a mentor for Asian Australians. She's a prominent voice on diversity and inclusion around the Asian Australian woman's experience. Welcome to the show, Jean. Hi, Dawn. So happy to be here on the podcast with you. And thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I, I got to know about Jean in my LinkedIn universe because she was seeking someone else that was heart-led. And so there's the two of us, many you know, somehow in the universe, managing to connect to each other uh, over that shared <laughs> sense of leading with our hearts. Um, and then I got to know Jean's wonderful story and also now finding out that Jean is also a coach to Asian Australians. Jean, can you tell us about your background? So I was born in Hong Kong and I came here when I was quite young, when I was five, when I came to Australia. Mm -hmm. And so my upbringing had been um, mainly in Canberra, a small country town, New South Wales, and now I'm based in Melbourne. So my path has kind of worked its way along the east coast a little bit um, of Australia. And um, my background, actually, I started studying in actuarial studies and commerce um, at university, thinking that I wanted to, uh, what well, thinking I was good at maths to start off with, which I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, combining a uh, commerce degree, which is a, um, I guess, commerce and actuarial studies um, is, is a bit of a newer, more encouraged career for a lot of Asians. So mm. um, for your listeners who may not, um, quite have a nuanced understanding of um, some of the careers that many Asians uh, tend to be encouraged to go into. They tend to be in medicine or in law, um, accounting, mm -hmm. engineering, IT, that kind of area. One's the careers that are, being, that are seen to give you a solid foundation, in inverted commas, and yes. also to give you a steady income. And so um, I studied that and... Um, and, and weaved my career starting actually overseas in Taiwan initially mm -hmm. uh, as a technical writer <laughs> in a graduate mm -hmm. program, far from what I studied and then came back being a banker and finally realising that banking wasn't quite my calling mm -hmm. and, um, and trying to uh, fit in uh, as an Asian woman, fitting in into quite a 
uh, white dominated male culture mm-hmm. um, was quite an experience for me in my 20s. And then I decided to take that experience and weave it into what was a bit more aligned with my personality, which is actually building relationships. Um, so, learned, so I then started to build corporate and community partnerships mm-hmm. between interna- within international development, within the private sector, uh, university, and uh, recently family violence. So I've weaved my career through that. And in that journey where I'm at right now, it's um, been about how do I support other Asian Australian women in particular who are also curious about their journey and also at the same time trying to be um, trying to to please their parents mm. a lot of the time in going to a career yes. uh, that um, they've been encouraged to go. So how can we how can we play with both worlds and actually integrate and make it our own? So that's that's the premise of how I got into life coaching. But the way that we've been raised in the Asian sense, and I come from Singapore, so that's kind of similar things that we've experienced, is that the first thing mm. you thought about a job is that passion is not one of the things you're looking for with a job. You're looking for <laughs> financial security. And I've chatted with some of my friends who have come from that Singapore journey. And, and sometimes they look at what I do when I talk about how I feel about my job and how I, I and they go like, oh, it's great that you feel passionate. <laughs> your job but they (laughs) cannot understand that because they've worked so hard they are very successful in what they do but they don't really align that sense of a job as something you can feel passionate about can can you just take us through that really confusing state of mind (laughs) that we have as Asians you know trying to unpeel upbringing versus our own identity yeah, absolutely. So I'll speak a little bit more from my own story, and, and mm. I'm not a re- I'm not the representative representative yeah. of Asian Australians, uh, women in Australia. However, um, there is a common theme that I do find. But my story had been about um, you know seeing my parents having struggled uh, when I was a very uh, when I was very young financially and um, looking at how hard they really worked Mm -hmm. and knowing and being the eldest there's additional uh, responsibility that we often feel um, in terms of the need to to look after our younger Mm -hmm. sibling to look after the household and um, to make sure that things are as smooth as possible when mum and dad come home and that kind of responsibility and psyche is so ingrained in us um in the in the need to study hard at school and so the formula is something along these lines study hard at school do well get your straight a's get into a good university get into a course that is worthwhile in inverted commas yes (laughs) and therefore it will land you that amazing perfect career and have you know it, it will provide you with the house and the income that you need and to also at later stage you know there's almost there's an expectation with a lot of Asian families of um, financially supporting our parents as well so there's a lot of um, mm. that financial um, uh, what's the word mm, responsibility that is 
place on us as we grow up. And so the, um, and it's been drummed into us as well. So the idea of doing something that you love or spending time that we create something through our passion that is our led by our hearts, it's quite um, a bit of a foreign concept. Yes. <laughs> and uh, what I find is often with women and with myself, it's not until when I, yeah, from, from my mid to late 20s, I was starting to get a bit more curious about that surely there's got to be more to life than this. And um, for me, I, uh, my brother passed away from suicide when I was uh, in my mid-20s. And so that actually kick-started my curiosity about surely there's more to life than this. Mm. and um, at that stage I was working in the bank and really unhappy about where I was at. And so my journey started when I went, when I, when that happened in my life, I started remembering what my university dream was. Mm. And that was about um, working in international development. And at that time I thought it was about going to Africa. And that was the thread that I then followed how can I use my technical skills that I've been trained in and also serve a purpose of helping other people and helping community. Mm. And so that started my journey of unraveling um, what my, the other parts of Jane wanted to do, not just the head part and not Mm. just the responsibility part. That's part of the, the struggle that we face because it can almost seem well, suddenly in, in my journey as well, it can almost seem like frivolous that you're pursuing something with your heart and your passion. Or it could almost mm. seem that it's um, even beyond impracticality because a job is supposed to provide yes. funds, but it's almost like it's not a smart thing to do. Like, why are you putting yourself through that? So it can be quite incongruent to, to everything that has been set up to ensure that we have financial security because financial security could mean opportunities, you know, so that's the flow on. Um, Through this journey that you have claimed for yourself, Jean, have have you come up with any resistance from people in, people close to you, just not understanding how you can so courageously pursue the things that mean something to you? Initially a lot, yes. And it's quite quite painful to Mm. go through that journey as well because um, at the one time, on the one hand, I am transforming and transforming the way I'm seeing things and perceiving my world and changing my perspective and there are outside influences um, that question, you know, or don't understand because it doesn't fit into a perfect little box Mm. that is Um, that the world wants to put everyone in into a neat little box with a label at the top. And for me, what I found helpful was finding my support crew and finding different people who believe in Jean Mm. and in her potential. And by surrounding myself then, I was um, in that company of knowing, okay, there is more to this. There's a saying where you are the person of the well uh you you become the five people that you are closest Mm. that you are around surrounded by something along those lines and um so I, I find that to be quite true and at the same time as I journey more into living my values and my life I'm finding that I have more 
there's a there's a different um, quality to how confident I feel because that confidence comes from not my head but actually from inside my body and my mm -hmm. heart and there's just an inner knowing um, that I made the right decision for example a few weeks ago I made the decision to quit my salary job and to really align my life with my purpose and it could say it was a very quick 24-hour decision it could also say that was a few years in the making as well because there have been a lot of events that led to that point and the head is catching up at the moment with me um but i haven't my yeah. whole system, my whole system feels right. It just, my whole body feels right. Well and that's done. how I know. Thank you. <laughs> that's why how I know I'm on the right path. I'm living my values. And at the moment, there's still not a whole lot of clarity. I'm working that out, but mm. you know, I'm on the right path. And so taking that step and surrounding ourselves with that, with the people is really important. And one thing I really want to highlight is um, with Asian Australians or a lot of Asians, um, money has, has been such a big part of our upbringing. And the way that we view money often is from a position of lack. Mm -hmm. There is, I don't have enough money to, the, to do this or um, I can't afford this. And it comes from a lot of struggles that previous sometimes our generations previous generations have gone through and that can carry through to us and how do we the, how do we then look at that and really explore okay is is my relationship with money is that mindset is that really mine and or is that passed on from previous generations and I felt that on an energetic sense from my grandmother when mm. she she so she lived a life with very little money and she really felt the shame that um the community and society put on her and i i didn't realize that i actually felt it even though i'm two generations mm. later and in a completely different environment so um and i i recognize also i'm speaking now from a position of privilege as well that I've been given the opportunities to flourish and also the genetic lottery, I think as Sam Harris puts it in one mm -hmm. uh, podcast, um, that I drew the genetic lottery as well of being given these opportunities. Um, and so where I'm going with it right now is how do I approach from my, the, that history of lack to look at how do I create a life of abundance and abundance in the sense of financial inner terms, in sense of health, energy, mm. people I'm around, I surround myself with and how do I uh, share that abundance with the community and people around me? And yes. so it's changing that mindset as well. And I think as well, that journey that you are on or, or, or sort of where I found myself on as well is that wealth is more than dollars and cents. Wealth is Absolutely. how you feel about yourself. Wealth is, yeah, um, yeah just, just loving yourself as well and being content with what you have. And um, it's a really difficult concept to get to 
when you've had that background, like you've explained. Um, I mean, even now, um, it's a funny thing with my family. They were not money focused. And I think that's why I can, I can be unshackled by that. But it's still funny when you meet like people in Singapore, for example, if my mom is talking about someone she wants to talk to me about, you basically get their CV read to you before the story starts, like the <laughs> introduction, like, oh, this person works here and here and they live here and here, you know, and, and that's so common with that generation. The definition of a person of success or even, mm. I don't know if we're even interested in whether that person's a good person, is the definition of success and whether you've been a good parent is whether the child's CV yes. can be read off really well. Tell, tell yes. me about their heart. Tell me about how they, do they respect someone else? So do you think it's yes. possible, Jean, that, that Asian culture is going to shift in a way that we're going to read off a CV of value systems? Do you think that's <laughs> going to happen? <laughs> I'm really determined that will happen in my lifetime. <laughs> that's, my, that's my hope and aspiration. Um. It's funny, actually, we mentioned talking um, with your mum about this and I look at the generation before and I look at sometimes the conversation with my mum and um, I can see there's a shift in her in, uh, in the way that she talks about other people and uh, a little bit more in-depth quality now uh, rather than the CV and then I meet other people and other generations and I remember late uh, last year I went to a um, funeral of another Asian Australian who was about my age and the uncle was literally doing this reading the CV of of his life which was like absolutely amazing right (laughs) and um, that um, it's so ingrained in us and at the same time I think there's an awakening happening that especially with COVID um, I think that's given us a different level of, of waking up mm-hmm. and knowing there's more to life than the CV and the letters after your name and the yes. suburb that one lives in. Um, and you know what? I think what's bringing to light are different events that are happening. So with the um, recent Atlanta mm-hmm. spa shootings, where eight, um, so for listeners who aren't familiar with the story, um, a white young man um, went into three massage uh, places and shot eight people, shot shot dead eight people, six of whom were Asian women. Mm -hmm. And um, what brought up, what that event brought up for a lot of Asians Um, especially in Australia and America, were a whole deluge of um, topics that we have, that have been really painful in our past and presence. For example, topics around uh, racism. Um, It was very targeted. The six, uh, the three locations were owned by, well, had Asian women working in in them. Uh, number two, there were, um, it brought up a lot of the topic around Asian fetishism or fetishization. And um, that's a really painful point for a lot of Asian women because 
our experiences as Asian women, there is a lot of fetishization by Caucasian men. And this pervades in our personal lives and our social lives and in a way comes into our work lives as well because um, there's this often a fantasy around having relationships or not relationships with Asian women. So that topic has come up quite strongly. And the way that the police reported it, the sheriff's office reported it saying that the man had a really bad day and that he had a sex addiction. And so that brought up topics of um, minimization. So not naming something for what it is yes. and calling it completely something else. And so thereby even further hiding our identity and our lived experiences. Um, and what was quite painful as well was during that, it was the same week of the um, mark for, uh, March for, for Justice. Justice. Mm and International Women's Day the previous week. Yeah. And um, this topic around the spa shootings really did not get much of media attention, to be honest, it lasted about 24 hours. Yes. And myself and a lot of women, Asian women um, around the world really felt this to our core um, and it, brought us even for myself I'll say it brought back um, these energetic gen uh, memories of previous generations of my lineage of women having bound feet mm. um, men having multiple wives or concubines baby girls being killed uh, simply because they were girls and they didn't carry mm. the family name so um, a lot of these topics are not talked about and when we talk about our relationship with money with abundance and there's so much that we are trying to work through and live through subconsciously mm -hmm. um, and at the same time if we don't peel some of these layers our relationship with money and finances can be quite limiting because that's been my experience and so by embracing all the different parts of me, I'm able to have a different quality of relationship with money and how I see money works for me rather than I'm working for money. My observation, you know, because we talk about trauma, there's trauma in certain communities and events like this brings it up again. You know, one of our previous guests, uh, Nathan Devamoni, talked about the marriage equality debate and what impact it had on the LGBTQ community, especially someone not in that community, they're like, oh, it's just a debate. Like they don't think about um, how the negative comments that even come up with any articles that are there, you know, the stuff that people can say so flippantly causes long lasting mm. trauma within that community. For me as a woman, Absolutely. it was disappointing to not have this given the airtime because even in women already are a marginalized group, but even in the mm. ladder of who we care about within that mm. group, you know, Indigenous yes. women, brown women, you know, Asian women mm -hmm. just sit, you know, LGBTQ women just sit even lower. It's like a, even the lowest part of that yes. ladder. So it's yes. it, it's a reminder, like it's a multi-level line. When we talk about value, we get reminded that our value in society is less. We're not even talking mm. about the general inequality. Is <laughs> that, yes. that the value put on a life that is lost is even less, mm. you know. So for our listeners who don't 
understand there is that whenever any of these communities are targeted, and there's, we're not even talking about the small bits of racism that are faced every day, especially mm. with COVID-19, your money story is not just about money, it's about value, it's about the other kinds of wealth. One of the things you said early on about your banking career is that mm. you found yourself in a situation that was male-dominated um, and not very diverse from a cultural point of view. So to paint the picture, I was in my early uh, to mid-20s in banking. It was my second job. And the environment um, was fairly uh, Caucasian and I was the only Asian woman in the team. Um, the banking sector can be quite a male, uh, male-dominated space, um, and, and the further you go, I think, in investment banking, as an example, that can get even more amplified. So there were a lot of discussions around football, as an example, and going to the pub. Yep. And um, I didn't like football to start off with. I don't drink alcohol, um, so I don't enjoy it. I found myself putting pressure on myself to go to the pub with the boys, so to speak, and even watching football on a Friday night at home just so I have something to talk about on Monday. Mm -hmm. And um, it really was not aligned with who I was as a woman and to the point where physically I would even only wear pant suits and not dresses or skirts. And I'm quite a feminine woman. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really hiding a big part of myself in order to try to fit in. And in a world that also, I wasn't sure really aligned with who I was. And at the time I hadn't really, hadn't really explored what my values were, um, who I am as a person. I was simply a 20 something year old, really just trying to find my way Mm -hmm. in in the big world so that experience was really quite invaluable for me in feeling the one being a someone that wasn't represented in a large part of the bank and also um, being one of the youngest if not the youngest at the time um, really made me question a lot of things and what I was thinking about and so I stayed quiet often or um, my personality is that I need time to think and process. So in a meeting, in my early stage of my career, I really didn't know how to navigate a meeting, mm -hmm. like even just an internal meeting, because yes. I'd have something to say. By the time I fine-tuned it, it was towards the end of the meeting. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that was, an ex that was a really valuable experience. And um, if there are other listeners in the, out, out there who are, in the sector, um, I want to perhaps share that there are ways to also navigate that career within the banking sector and there are ways that you can do it that is aligned with your own values and who you are um, without needing to put on a different mask mm. or a different costume to do that. Yeah, I think that is like I can resonate a lot with that um, because I felt it myself, but I, I think it's like a, 
it's almost like a combination with age thing, the fact that we're also immigrants. And then, I mean, and I think young women just generally also feel it as well. We get into environment and you're just like, okay, let me watch what's happening. Let me really mm. think about what I want to say. Um, and also there's that sense that being different initially in your career seems like a bad thing. And then you realise into your career that what's different makes you like super awesome. <laughs> So you you yes. kind of claim that like that's a journey, right? Like I think that was the journey. Claiming a space. Yeah, claiming a space and then going, hey, you know, like I've got all this stuff that only I have and I'm super proud yeah. of it. You know, I'm super proud that like you and I, Jean, we can talk about congee and porridge and and the fact that we can yes. connect over that. And and if you don't like congee or porridge, you know, that's fine. Like that's your but I'm I I claim the fact that I can actually have this conversation with you and feel proud of it you know proud of our heritage mm. proud of our gender proud of our age because the thing about being one of the younger ones or seen as younger came up as well but it's not really something that is looked upon with guys because I found younger guys getting ahead of me quicker but they're not seen as ah. young they're not seen as young yeah. but you know I'm you know mm. I'm approaching 40 but I'm still considered young in my industry by comparison you know so that uh, it gets better once you start claiming yourself, that you ease into who you are and really care less about what other people are doing around your environment. You kind of focus on what you can achieve with the gifts you have. I must say that I really enjoy your insights and the calmness in which you actually deliver it. It's almost like, you know, you should be doing one of those like podcasts to help people relax. So I can, I can get the energy off you. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Well, for our <laughs> listeners who mm. we talked about a few things that they are kind of in that midst of claiming who they are. And then you've mm. got that money and sense of value intertwined into that journey. What mm. advice can you give them as they navigate through this point of finding themselves, finding value and making money? Good tips come in lots of threes. So I'll go for, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it my best shot with the top three. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, we touched on earlier is around finding our tribe. And our tribe are people who support and really believe in us and our potential. Mm-hmm. And they can come in forms of a mentor, a friend. Yes an auntie Um, and they're they're the ones who help keep the boat floating when in the rough seas and they also help to anchor us at the same time in the rough Mm -hmm. seas Um, and they're so so important and the my support crew I keep evaluating who my support crew are I keep changing the shape I keep going oh what would I like to bring in more of in my life so what kind of what what does that support person look like Mm -hmm. um and there's got to be a lot of um, alignment in terms of your values and their values as well and that takes time to 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 bring in and I think also when we set the intention of wanting to create our support crew people tend to come into our paths and um a little bit like when I started my looking to my money journey. And so I've searched high and low for a heart-centered financial planner to connect with. 
<laughs> I bashed my way into into a into a financial planner's group on LinkedIn, and then yeah. I was reading through the post, and I found you, Dawn. So, <laughs> um, so you know, when we when we put that that intention out there, it's really quite powerful to cre- uh, in creating that that um, support crew. So, number one, um, number two, around values it gets floated around quite a bit find your values find your values and initially when I started this a number of years ago I'm like gosh what are values to start off with (laughs) Um, and what I found most useful was actually going through different scenarios of for example jobs that I had done um, and why I really enjoyed those jobs and what were the qualities that stood out and looking at jobs that I didn't like um, and what were those qualities that stood out. So for me, all my top uh, value is honesty and um, uh, integrity. So being really true to who I am, the situation. And so that naturally helps me align my, my um, activities, the jobs, the environment that I'm in with what my value is and so there, um, there are lots of quizzes online. You can one can do free quizzes and say what are what are my values, or even just go have a look at search, uh, have a search for what values are. And look through those lists and see how we respond to them. Some of them you might go you get really excited about it. So other values you go oh yeah, I can see that's important, but it's not that important for me and that's fine as well and Mm. they might change so I play with this exercise at least on an annual basis Um, and for me it's quite a fun exercise now and so that is a way to um, find uncover a little bit more about about values the third thing I would share is in relation to our money story um I started a few years ago reading a book and I'm trying to remember her first name, but her surname is Nemeth, mm-hmm. um, The Energy of Money. And one of the um, exercises in that book was about writing your story, the earliest memory of your relationship with money. And I've gone through the exercise a couple of times and really gone back to my three or four-year-old self of remembering that first $10 note I had in my hot little hands and the immense pride I had when I went to the supermarket and bought like the biggest pack of chips I had and slammed down, I literally slammed down my $10 note thinking, (laughs) yeah, I got this. And then realised I didn't have enough. Um, But that memory is so ingrained in me. And realising um, what my relationship with money was at that point, how it's changed over time, I think that's a quite a powerful exercise to, to get to, under, to understand what our relationship with, with money and whether um, I see as something that I need to guard with my life or something that I just spend every moment I can and spend my money or um, I'm saving it. I don't know why I'm saving. I'm mm-hmm. saving it for a rainy day or whatever that story is, it's really useful to explore and see what that means for us. And I think from there, love gems can drop. Sound tips, you know, things about the tribes that's come up before in our podcast. I think a lot of people are finding themselves 
have good people around them. So listeners, if you're not feeling that, there are plenty of people that will be willing to actually engulf you in this sense of warmth and support. Just, just like Jean was saying, send the intentions out there and the, they will come to you somehow. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. if, if there aren't any people out there, um, something that I'm doing that I have, like for me, I do a lot of, I enter a lot of women's circles, Yes. but there aren't any spaces specific for Asian women and I crave that. So for me, I'm going to create my own circle for exactly. Asian women to do that. So yes. you can create your own as well and the people will come. Yes, and I, I, that's that's right. Like you can create the circle in, in different ways. You can find a place that's already set up or you can set it up yourself. Uh, but it's yeah. so, so important with the tribe. I mean, I have my tribe. Um, a lot of my tribe, we communicate via LinkedIn because it suits me well. Um, being a mom of three and studying I don't have a lot of time for in-person things, but you know, you you run it whichever way you want. Um, and, and and that sense as well as a parting thing to our listeners, having meaning for your money will help clear up a lot of um, that sense of maybe feeling lost around money. Because when you give it mm. when you give it a true value, you know, not, not, not talking about a number, we're talking about a true purpose. You know, is that going to bail you out when your parents are sick and you need to go overseas? Is that going to help you leave a job that is toxic for you? Then it becomes mm-hmm. meaningful. I've enjoyed so much talking to you, Jean. Like, and, I, and your calmness is just, oh, it, it, it is something that is, <laughs> it's like you're setting my Thursday really well and, and, oh. and like calming me down. Um, thank you so much for being on this podcast, Jean. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And you know what, Dawn, I was so excited when you sent me the message that you're creating your podcast and you had been on my mind. I was thinking, when is Dawn going to create a project, her project or her something? And this popped up. I'm like, perfect. So I'm so, so happy you're creating this platform for different voices and around money because it's um, you're unraveling that story for, for everyone, the money story for people. Yes, I'm sneaking it in. I'm, you know, it may yes. sound like it's about numbers, but it's not. <laughs> it's about journeys. <laughs> I love it. And value and how we can equalize um, ourselves in, in any environment. Because I think a number of us who have come to at this point in our lives have found different ways of equalizing our position. We've understood that we're not starting from the same starting position, but you you find a way but you also find your voice, Jean. So I'm very appreciative as someone that's also in your LinkedIn circle that you're using your voice to lift a lot of people up that may not be able to voice that themselves. So thank you, the amazing Jean Sam. Thank you for joining our Circle of Stories. Subscribe for new episodes. Let's change how the story ends.